Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. Today, we have the incredible Kashira Moffat. Now, Kashira is a serial entrepreneur, brand strategist. She's an author, and she knows how to help ambitious women package their expertise, brand their influence, and actually monetize with true success. Now, Kashira launched the Power Collective, which is a mission to accelerate the growth of small and mid-sized women-owned businesses to create more economic equality within this country. Now, it is a management consulting firm, and it specializes in a ton of stuff when it comes to branding, marketing, and business development. Today, Kashira and I, we dive deep into the key to knowing your worth and pricing your offers, how to confidently create a high-ticket offer, and how to create and execute a successful sales call. I love that she walked us through this. It was so fun. I was taking notes the entire time. How to create a client form to weed out who isn't the right fit for what you offer, which is so invaluable. And of course, how to create free content that attracts your ideal client, customer, and audience. Kashira is a boss when it comes to this, and I'm so excited for you to hear her genius. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist, brand building expert, speaker, and New York Times bestselling publicist. This is where I take you behind the scenes with today's top influencers, industry insiders, and entrepreneurs as they share step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dreams into a purposeful and profitable business. Hello, Kashira. It's so awesome to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I am too. And I'm excited to dive into really, um, you know, what I have found to be your, your greatness, which is helping entrepreneurs attract clients that really make sense for them, that they can serve and that will happily pay them (laughs) for their services and what they do, which I know is a huge you know, thing that I hear in this community from so many of our listeners of, you know, once I get, once I figure out who this client or this customer is, you know, A, how do I know how much to charge? And B, how do I get them to actually pay that? And so I know we're going to dive into a lot of that, but first I would love just to hear a little bit more about your journey and what really got you into niching down to be this source for so many of the creatives that you support. Yes, absolutely. So presently, I am a full-time business strategist, and I primarily serve women entrepreneurs, and I help them understand how to package the expertise they've been leveraging either in their full-time jobs or as a freelancer into a high-ticket coaching offer and then selling it online authentically and organically um, in a way that's in alignment for what they want to do and also brings in that high-value customer. And the reason why I'm so I'm so tied to this is because this was deeply ingrained in my story. I was the person who fell into entrepreneurship and I was afraid to charge really anything. And I really struggled with my value. I started my career doing personal brand coaching and career development as my corporate background is more HR and diversity work. And I remember getting people $100,000 jobs, $150,000 jobs and charging like $40 for a resume. And I really struggled with that concept of, you know, charging what the transformation is worth that I'm actually providing. And so 
I navigated and struggled through a number of years. And as I was growing my brand online, not really thinking about becoming a full-time entrepreneur, I was really looking to brand myself to get into a higher level HR role. Um, entrepreneurs began to seek me out through LinkedIn, actually, to get support with leveraging LinkedIn to grow their brand and their messaging. So by way of supporting them in a more tactical space, I recognize that a lot of entrepreneurs really struggle with the strategy piece. So my business pivoted to focus on helping entrepreneurs with their personal brand, with their brand strategy. And so as I've continued to work with more entrepreneurs and I've started to notice that a lot of people had the same issues I struggled with, that's where I really niched down and started to really tackle this high ticket sales piece, but more on the lens of doing it authentically, organically, and in a way that doesn't feel yucky <laughs> for you. So mm. um, that's a little I bit about that. my transformation. <laughs> and I, I have I have quite a few questions um, from what you just shared with that. So the first thing I would love to dive into is for you, just from your own personal experience and journey, because I know that, I mean, so many women struggle with this. I know that, you know, I have throughout my journey, you just shared that you had. I know that there's those that are listening that can totally relate to this. Really diving into figuring out, you know, why is it, it's kind of like the cobbler's son has no shoes, right? It's like, why is it that I'm sitting here and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm able to be confident in helping others figure out their value? but I'm charging $40 per resume. What, mm-hmm. what was that shift for you of, was it a confidence piece? Was it a knowledge piece? Was it a mix of all of, all of those different things? What was it for you when you identified, like, clearly I am, I should be getting paid more for what I'm doing. Yes. You know, a, and B, how do I step into that? Yeah. To, to confident, confidently declare that. Yes. So it's one of those things that the reason why I say you hit the nail on the head is because it's always a combination of things. Whenever people ask me, how do I shift my money mindset? I say, you know, there's not one straight answer. (laughs) There's not a definitive do this thing and it's going to shift. It really depends on what's the, what that's rooted in. And it was rooted in, in a couple of things for me. One was lack of experience in terms of entrepreneurship. I didn't know many other entrepreneurs. My family is working class. There weren't entrepreneurs around me. So I didn't understand that as an entrepreneur, you could get paid for your expertise. I didn't know that. You know, I was used to corporate America where flat salary for the job, and this is what it is. And oftentimes in corporate, you are underpaid if you're working overtime, right? So I brought that same concept into my business, working overtime and barely putting, you know, two coins together. So that was one. The second thing was confidence because I was in a really new space and I was really young. I started my business at 23. Granted, I did have an MBA. I have gone to business school, but I, I was very insecure around the people that I was, you know, that were doing similar things to me, they just seemed like on top of the world. And, you know, do I really fit in here? Do I belong? And then the last thing that really impacted me was a money mindset belief. Like I, at that point in life, had never received, you know, $1,000 or $5,000 just straight out for doing one thing. It was just always, here's your salary and that's what it is. And so now I'm in this world where I'm getting paid per person and, Based on what my peers are saying, I can get paid several thousand dollars for one person, one project, and just really wrapping my head around that. And for a while, I was very resistant. I did not 
give into it. I said, no, no, no. I am a hard worker. I'm an achiever. And people are just going to recognize my efforts one day, right? Like one day I'm going to get rewarded for all of these things. And that's the limiting belief that I walked with. And that kept me in that for so long. And the thing that really shifted for me was literally just like a moment of anxiety where I, I was literally like leaving work and I was just in tears in my car. I was so exhausted from working my nine to five, from working my business. Plus I was volunteering in my community and I just felt like I had nothing to show for it. And in that moment, I'm like, there is absolutely no reason I should be crying in my car. <laughs> and that was like a moment where I'm like, something has to shift for me. Something has to change literally like right now. Oh, yeah, totally. And, and I love that you, it was kind of like that, you know, we all have our various rock bottoms, right? But for you, like that was that moment of like, I, I, to, to feel this way is worse than not feeling this way, you know, and not, not, I may not have all the answers and I may not have it all figured out, but I know that I don't like this and I don't like it enough to dive into the potential of figuring how, figuring out how I can be an entrepreneur in whatever way that that works for me. Yeah. Even though that may be scary because I feel like a lot of times, and maybe you see this too, you know, so many people want to be an entrepreneur. They want to create their own business. They want to have the freedom that entrepreneurship can, can give you, but they're so scared to take the leap. And so they never really quite do it. And it's like, they, they choose to be miserable instead of uncertain or yep. instead of uncomfortable, they'll just stay in that corporate world of, yep. you know, and be miserable doing that. And so I think for you, what was that? Was it that rock bottom piece of crying in the car saying like, this is worse than, than, than the false comfort of being in that corporate job? <laughs> yeah. And it was like one of those things where I actually ended up, uh, I went to therapy shortly after that, because it was one of those, like, if you've ever had an anxiety cry, it was one of those uncontrollable ones where it's just not stopping anytime soon. And it was like, what is happening? So I, I ended up going to a therapy session, which was awesome. And, you know, one thing the woman said after I finished just venting for 20 minutes straight, she said, you know, I can tell you're very talented and you're very smart. You've achieved a lot, but I'm struggling to understand what you're trying to prove by doing all of these things. And it was one of those things where, oh, it was like a gut check. Like, you know, I felt that I, I, when she said that to me, I realized that in everything I was doing, I was trying to prove something. I was trying to be recognized versus stepping into my power and saying, I'm equipped, I'm strong, I'm talented, I can do this. I'm worth the dollar amounts I want to charge. I'm worth the success that I, I say I desire. And like that, that conversation really was like a turning point in my brain around, well, what do my next steps need to look like? And at that point, I had decided that I wanted to, to get to full time. My actions weren't in alignment with that. And what that means is while I was showing up online and I was marketing and checking all the boxes, I wasn't fully showing up how I needed to. I wasn't invested in my business yet. I wasn't raising my price points yet. I was still saying yes to any and every client, even if they didn't align for me. And I had to shift that. So the very next thing I decided to do was I decided to make a scary investment in my business. And I know that probably sounds like a lot of other people, but it's true. Like that was the first like thing that I had to do. I had to pull the trigger. I had to stop being nervous about spending a thousand dollars or more on myself. And I told myself, if I spend this on myself or invest this on myself and actually show up, 
I'm actually going to be rising to the level of which I want to attract, which is clients who also will invest this in themselves and who will also show up. And in that program, after I invested, a couple of days after I invested, I did make that money back, which was the fastest I had ever made that amount of money because I, I know people who've invested before know it makes you sit up a little bit straighter. And the course hadn't even started yet, but that was like already a sign. But I'm very fortunate that the person that I decided to work with actually took the time to tell me halfway through the program. She's like, hey, you're doing great, but I don't think that you need my program. You already know these concepts. You just need to get out of your own way. You need to 3X your current price point, and that's that. And I'm very coachable, very coachable. I, even to this day, if you give me an insight, I will try it at least once, right? And you know, I was so gracious that that coach decided to tell me that because you, they didn't have to. And in that moment, I made the decision that I needed to pivot. And that's when I decided to actually change my price point. And from there, that's when things took off. <laughs> my friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. That's amazing. And I love what you said about, you know, I had to stop dabbling, right? Like I, I had to stop kind of lying to myself that I was giving it my all when I really wasn't. Like I wasn't investing myself. I wasn't raising my prices. I wasn't attracting the clients that I knew that I really wanted to work with. I wasn't really showing up to get the results that I wanted to get. So in order to get the results that I wanted, I had to become that person. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that, that you share that because that that's the biggest thing that I see in my community as well is that, you know, you hear, you know, I call them unseen content creators, right? It's like they want to create this content and build this amazing business and have all of these great things, but they're not really doing what they need to be doing to be successful. Right. And all of those excuses kind of get in the way. So I love that you shared that. And I want to go back to that idea because you were talking about, you know, I really started to get confident with selling high ticket offers. I want to first talk about a, because high ticket is such a relative term for people, mm -hmm. right? Like somebody may think high tickets, $200, mm -hmm. you know, somebody else may think high tickets, $20,000. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, because a lot of people are scared to, to like, oh, I don't, I don't want to try to sell a high ticket offer. No one's gonna, no one's gonna pay me, you yeah. know, a thousand dollars. No one's gonna pay me five thousand dollars. No one's gonna pay me ten thousand dollars. So, what does high ticket mean to you? And how were you able to confidently step into that to be like, oh, I'm going to happily charge this, and people will happily pay it. <laughs> 
You're absolutely right. So yes, high ticket can definitely mean so many different things. And so as someone who primarily coaches newer entrepreneurs within the high ticket space for me is anywhere from that $4,000 range, upwards of 7,500 is where I came out at. And, and that, and I was terrified to say those numbers. Like before we would have talked two years ago, I would stutter over those numbers, but that's where I started when I re when I rebranded. So that was the space I was playing in. And so when I decided that I wanted to charge that, I put my business coach hat on and I said, you know, if I was working with a client on this, what would I do? And so I was like, I would tell them that they needed to reposition some things. So I, I pivoted my visual branding from Barbie pink to a different color palette. I actually changed my brand name, which was the name I had been using from my blogger days upwards of since I started my business. And I just completely just, just went into this as if it was a client project. You know, I designed the service packages. I designed a new website. I, I wrote new copy. And interestingly enough, I launched my services at my conference that I used to host. And I didn't have a website up yet. It wasn't, it wasn't fully prepared, but I knew what I was going after. So I launched my services at this conference and I just simply booked consultations and I sold everyone by sending a PDF document, a really nice golden PDF that just outlined, you know, the new value proposition and talked about what they would gain in the program. My first launch was a $40,000 launch. And what was intriguing to me about that concept was that everyone who bought those new price, those new ticket, those new higher ticket offers that again, with the cheapest that I have was 4K. Before this, my most expensive package was $300, Julie. That was my most expensive package. Wow. Yeah. And, and I'm sure to me, I'm like, <laughs> you know, to me, I'm like $300 is nothing, you know, for, for like a full, full service package that you're, yes. that you're offering. Like that's nothing. But to somebody listening right now, they, I'm sure some people are saying like, well, I wouldn't, I would only pay 150 for that. <laughs> you know, or like what, whatever it is that they're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, you know, again, even then I remember when I decided to charge that three, 400, I was scared of that. And, and, you know, I was, what I found interesting because then I was working with my coach and I said, you know, I feel like I just, I've, I've, I was a giver in terms of content. I was the constant person that always had five ways for you to do something every week on my live streams. And so I felt like I had conditioned my audience to just like, no, I'm giving good content, but not really conditioned them to buy. And I said, I feel like I need to start a whole new audience from scratch. And she said, no, no, no. There are people who want to work with you, but they're waiting for you to give them something to buy. And I, I kind of had that in the back of my head. So fast forward to this 40K launch, everyone that bought were people who were already in my tribe. These were not strangers. They were not new people. The people who I already knew their names, I knew their businesses, I knew what they did because they had already been in my community for so long. And right. so it really echoed the point that there are people who are waiting for you and your voice and your content, your messaging, but you have to give them something to buy. Oftentimes, what I found was that I was I was offering very similar services. The promise was still there, but at the at the previous price point, it sounded too good to be true. You're gonna right. help me make five figures for three hundred dollars? How? Right. <laughs> right. Well, and you you have to start thinking about who you're attracting at that per, at that point. Yeah. Is that person really going to be invested? Are they really going to show up? And you know, it's interesting that along my journey, and I don't know if you ever had things like this happen too. Back back in like way back in the day when I used to offer one on one coaching, and I would do it, you know, for five hundred bucks or something. That like now I would never do it for that for that cheap. Honestly, yeah. um, half the time they wouldn't even show up to the call. They wouldn't show up to the call. They wouldn't do the homework. 
They wouldn't show up because they weren't really putting their money where their mouth is. And I think that that is such an important piece, you know, to those listening who are trying to figure out price points, you know, it's like Shire saying, don't be afraid to put a value on it because yes, you're going to probably repel a lot of people, but those are the people that shouldn't, that aren't really serious about what you're offering anyway. And then the second piece to that, I think is, is that ownership for that person that when they're really investing you know, their hard earned money into something, they're more likely to show up and actually get more value from it. Do you find that to be true as well? Absolutely. I definitely found that there was a difference in terms of the quality of the client where at the lower price point, I had more instances of people not showing up or not doing their homework or not fully committing that I did at the higher price point, but I also noticed that the conversation started to shift. Mm. At the lower price point, I was doing more pulling teeth to get someone to implement a strategy. At the higher price point, it's, yes, I'm still a little nervous. I'm a little fearful, but I'm going to do it anyway. And the conversation shifts, the energy shifts. And as someone who is very passionate about what they do, I'm very, very connected to my work. You know, when my clients get results, that really fuels me, that really drives me. But I can't take responsibility for someone getting results if they don't show up in the first place. And so at the higher ticket price point, you have clients who are fully showing up, who are fully giving their all, who are fully willing, who are fully willing to commit to making the internal changes that need to occur in order for the external changes we're working on to actually manifest. Oh, yes, I love that. And what I come to find, and I would love to know your thoughts on this too, is that a lot of times people come to me and they're like, well, I want the one-on-one coaching, but I don't have that money to invest yet. Or I want the mastermind, but I can't afford that yet. So where should I be going? And my whole thought to them is like, well, you think you may need coaching, but the fact that you can't invest in coaching yet tells me that you're not ready yet for coaching. You know, if you're, if, if all you can invest right now in your business is 150, 200, 300, which is nothing to shy away from, but that's when you go to more of like the done for you programs and products and those kinds of things, because you're still in that learning phase. Like you don't hire a coach to, to teach you stuff. You hire a coach to coach you. Exactly. And do you find that too? Like for those listening who may be like, well, I still want to learn this stuff and I still want to step in to, to become an entrepreneur. But if I, if, if I don't have the money yet to invest in the high ticket, where should I go and where should I be investing in at the time? Yes. I mean, absolutely. I mean, even with the the coach that I worked with, I was really fortunate where her program was a course, but it was still in beta. So beta is always a really good one to get into where because it was still beta, she was super involved in the course. There were lots of live streams and group sessions, and that's where we were able to really get that intensive feedback. So that really worked out. So if you're really thinking about how do I get support at my budget, all I mean, one, if, there, if people that you're following launch something as an alpha or a beta group, get in there um, immediately. Secondly, though, you know, I remember just not having the budget and barely making ends meet. And one thing that I did to start getting clients and getting customers was I leveraged free content. I leveraged podcasts and Facebook groups and YouTube videos and library books. And I pieced those things together, which was why, yes, my first investment was scary. And yeah, I had to pull a couple of strings to get it together. 
but that money came from my business. That money didn't come from my personal salary. I just had a couple clients lined up and put all of their fees together to invest in this particular program. And so really thinking about if you do have money coming in, are you being strategic with it and reinvesting it versus just kind of sitting on it? And then secondly, really thinking through, uh, again, mini courses, done for you courses, you know, other programs where these types of things are going to require you to show up even more, in my opinion, because you're going to have to drive yourself and hold yourself accountable for completing those things. And that's where, again, that discipline comes in and that that we're, how bad do you want it space, right? Because one thing as a coach that we can't do is, yeah, we have some accountability built in, but we can't force you to do the work. If you already have a poor work ethic, there is nothing that paying $10,000 for a coach is going to do for that. Mm, I love that. And the other thing that I wanted to get your take on, because you said that you, you had, you saw like this transformation had to happen in your own journey as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the biggest thing that, that I typically hear, and I'm sure that you have too, when it comes to investing in yourself, the, you know, the reason why someone won't is, well, I can't afford it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I can't afford it. It's just too expensive. If it was, if it was this instead of that, then I would invest in it, mm-hmm. but I can't afford it. My whole, I always get really curious on this idea of like, well, it's too expensive or I can't afford it. And it's like, yeah, but compared to what? Like, <laughs> you can't afford it compared to what, or it's too expensive compared to what. Right. And a lot of times people don't have an answer for that. You know, it's like they'll, they'll have an offer, whether it's a, you know, coaching mastermind, uh, even just a done for you program. Well, that's just too expensive. Well, compared to what? And they're like, um, I don't know. It's just too expensive. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times they don't even know, they don't even know why they're saying that. It's yep. just, it's like this pre, and again, that goes back to money mindset, right? It's like this preconceived thing that they've already put in their head that, that, mm-hmm. that they're not going to invest in it and whatever it is. And I know like value proposition can come into that. And obviously they just don't see the value in it. And maybe they'll never see the value in it. You can't change or control people's thoughts. But for you, since you had that, that pivotal moment of, you know, I had to start, I had to stop saying that things were too expensive and I really had to start investing in what I wanted. What have you come to find from that for those people that they never really invest in themselves because they're constantly telling themselves that the things that they want to invest in are too expensive? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really is a shift in how you view and see things. First, you have to stop looking at money as this resource that's never going to replenish, as something that just is just, I have to hold on to it. It's never going to come back to me. Money is renewable. Mm -hmm. Money flows every single day. Money comes, money goes. And so instead of looking at it as this thing that I have to hold on to, we have to start looking at it as a tool, right? So people in the personal finance space always say, make your money work for you, right? When they're talking about investing and interest and things like that. Well, it's the very same thing in business. You have to make your money work for you. We're so quick to, you know, buy templates or buy, you know, design softwares that we don't know how to use. And when we spend that money, that's it. But when we look at it, a coach or a or a coaching program, we have to start thinking about, again, this is a renewable tool. If I sow this seed, right, I can get a huge harvest, Mm. right? If you sow a seed into a program that's going to teach you skills that will allow you to monetize, that will allow you to sell, that will allow you to streamline and become more efficient, that's going to harvest for years to come. Right. And so really start to look at it like that, like, hey, this money that I'm putting down, this thousand dollars could turn into 5K. Right. If I do the work and I show up and I found that 
it's really how people actually look at money itself. That part that 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 really drives that outlook. And then from there, when we get past that barrier, it's how do you actually view yourself? Like, are you honest about the fact that this is going to require you to show up and show up differently? Are you honest about the fact that you now have to be held accountable for something? Mm. Not everybody wants to be accountable. Right. Not everybody actually wants to have this business and service client. Some people are so used to the struggle that that's all they want is the struggle. Right. That that's all they want is the struggle. Right. Right. Because it's like, what's the pay, you know, what's the payoff in saying that? Is the payoff yeah. that you don't have to take accountability? Is yep. the payoff you don't really have to show up? Is the payoff that you can continue to blame other people, places, and things for the reason why you're not getting the success that you want in life? Like there has to be, there has to be this limiting belief payoff, right? This like story that we, that comes from, you know, what our childhood or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. from showing up. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And then one thing I always talk about on my sales calls is I don't, obviously, you know, good salespeople, we don't force you into anything. We want you to make this decision, but I always pivot the discussion and talk about what's the cost of inaction. How much money are you going to lose by continuing to do the same thing you've been doing, consistently running in a circle? How much money will you continue to lose by purchasing random templates that you don't really need, hoping that this is going to be the thing that changes, right? And so when I talk to people, I say, you know, I don't really care who you hire, but you need to make a decision in someone and something that will allow you to reap that ROI. But it's never going to happen if you don't actually believe it to be true. Because I've also found that some people think spending the money is the hard part. And it's not. That's just that, the commitment. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the easiest. But I don't want to say easiest part, but that's just like the step one commitment. Like that's. Yeah. There's people who yeah. are like, okay, I spent the money. Okay. Give me a round of applause. Where is my change? And it's like, no, no, no. That is only the beginning. It's like, now you have to actually show up and make that investment work for you. And that's a completely different conversation. And that is, that is why some people, it's, it's bigger than you just saying that a thousand dollars is not a lot of money. It's bigger than just saying that it's really thinking about how are you actually viewing money, this tool, and how are you making it work for your life and your business? And again, starting to look at things as investments and opportunities for growth versus opportunities for loss. And so shifting that mindset, I even have clients, I told them, I said, listen, when you go into this launch, you have to believe that it's going to be successful. You cannot go into this and say, I'm hoping for the best, or I don't think anyone's going to buy this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like the universe is not going to surprise you. The universe is going to give you exactly what you put out. Mm. It really is just an exchange of energy. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Okay. You mentioned sales calls. I want you to break that down for us if you can. (laughs) What happens in your world? What happens on a sales call? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting on sales calls for me have definitely evolved over time where, you know, now it's really just a, it's really just a, a gateway for me to help someone make a good decision for themselves. You know, by the time someone comes to a sales call, they already know who I am. They already know my offer, right? They have a relatively good idea of our price point. And from there, we're just trying to make the best decision for them. And so, you know, the first thing I ask is not what do you do, not what do you sell or what's your goals? My first, the first thing I ask is why is that, why is this important for you now in this moment, right? Because I'm trying to understand the catalyst. The people who are most successful with me come to me after a catalyst, once they're really just fed up (laughs) and they're ready for a change. And so I always start off, why is this important for you now? And that answer for me dictates how the conversation flows. 
And then I also like to know, you know, we, we pivot then to talk about what have they tried that hasn't worked. I want to understand, not in particular the actual strategies they've tried, but I want to see fortitude. Have you tried a couple of different things? Have you exhausted a lot of your options? Like, what else have you done? Um, because again, I'm trying to understand, are you really going to show up and commit? I, just because someone has the money to pay me doesn't mean that they're a good client for me. So I'm really listening to understand their, their, their goals and their ideologies. And then I also want to know, what does success look like for you? Just to see if it's in alignment. And so we do a lot of what, what's your current reality? What was the past like? What do you want that future to look like? You know, why is now a good time for you? Okay, great. Let's talk about when you can start. And it sounds super simple, but that's exactly how it flows. I don't like to overcomplicate anything. So um, that, that's really how it flows. It's just, it's, it's not a lot of those basic questions of what's your goals, what's your challenges, you know, how much money do you want to make? It's, those are things people can put in a form before the conversation. Like we have to go a little bit deeper to that, deeper than that to understand if this coaching relationship makes sense. And I love that you said, you know, by the time they get on the call, like they're warmed up, right? Like they know who you are. They know what their, what your offer is. You're not, you know, you're not like pulling one on them. Like how do you get them primed and ready for, for the call? Yes, that's a good question. So one, um, my primary way of driving leads is through live stream videos, as well as email marketing. I actually don't do a ton of paid advertisement. And that actually has worked to my benefit because because I'm leveraging organic avenues, people have no choice but to get to know me. <laughs> so you have to you have to get to know me to get to an invitation to book a sales call in the first place, right? And right. so through my live stream content, through my podcasting and my emails, people are able to really understand my backstory, my strategies, my values. So that also helps. And then from there, when people go to my site to book a consultation, on my work with me page, it very much is a storytelling experience where I'm really honing in on who I like to help and what that looks like and why this is important and what value will come for it. And then, of course, a host of case studies and testimonials, because, again, I don't want to have the full teeth. I don't want to actually have to hard sell you on a call. And so because there's no other way to get to my calendar other than that page, and the options of book is at the very bottom. You do have to scan and kind of look through. And then after someone books a call, it's it, it doesn't stop there. There are some emails that occur in between when they book and when we actually have the appointment that further nurtures the relationship. So um, some samples of things is we do change it out every now and then, but I may send people to one of my older live stream replays that really talk, that really talks about discomfort, which is one of my favorite topics, right? Discomfort um, versus delay of really which one are you want to choose. I may send them to a podcast. I may send them to another, another pre-recorded video or testimonials, but I, I do those nurturing tactics before someone books and even after they book on purpose. Like I need you to come to me when you are absolutely ready, not when you're still window shopping. Yes. I love that. And so you're kind of giving them information and content and all of this stuff that they need to be ready to, you're kind of weeding those windows or trying your best to weed those window shoppers out before they even get yep. there. Absolutely. Even with the form that you fill out before you book, the way that I phrase the questions, if you're playing games or you're not really serious, you're not going to finish filling out the form. Ooh, tell me <laughs> and, tell me more about that. 
Yeah. So it's like one of those things where it's not that the form is super long. It's a little long, but it's more so the nature of the questions. Like the questions actually make you think. So I'm actually pulling up a form now, but they they actually make you think so that you can't just put yes or no answers, right? And so one of the things that I ask people is what would it mean for you to see your vision come to life? Right? That's not an easy question to answer. If you're not at the end of your rope, right? Because at that point, it's like, that's when things are life-changing. I'll also say, you know, why is there an urgency now for you to get the help that you need, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I ask, you know, what's your definition of success in your business? And what's the gap between where you are and where you want to be? These are types of questions where, honestly, you can only answer them if you feel like you tried a lot of things and you feel like you've exhausted a lot of options and you feel like you've been playing small and you're ready for things to change. It's not until you're, you've reached almost that moment of like frustration slash desperation where those answers will flow for you. Right. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you for walking us through that. Um, I like, I like want to dive in. I'm like, what is she asking? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good. So I also want to talk a little bit because you did say, you know, I'm warming people up. Like they've got my videos, they've got my podcast. Tell us a little bit about the content that you create and, and the way that it serves your ideal client. Yeah, absolutely. So I create a lot of business focused content that talks a lot about mindset. Again, because I recognized my own journey over the years and how I honestly probably made my timeline even longer by not doing this work faster. I speak a lot to the things that I know are paralyzing my target clients. So I talk a lot about, you know, mindset. I talk a lot about other people around you may not uh, understand or support your vision and moving forward anyway. I talked about how the closer you get to being in alignment, the more uncomfortable you become, the more things start to shift and start to change. And so I don't, I don't teach a ton of business strategy in my live streams. I instead teach on what are some of the bottlenecks that are preventing you from growing. And again, oftentimes the, I find that the strategy piece is the easy stuff. It's the internal pieces that really hold people back. And so because my live streams are really tapping into the psychological nature of decision-making for a lot of my customers, that's what actually helps the sales calls go smoother. In fact, I just launched, I've just closed the doors of a group program where 15 people enrolled and every single person that enrolled mentioned a very specific live stream video during their sales call. Every single one. Um, and it wasn't, and they didn't say things like that tip you gave really helped me. I made so much money. It wasn't that it was more. So I felt like you were speaking to me. I felt like you knew my situation personally. I felt like you understood what I was going through. I had someone say, I'm, I feel alone in my journey and I feel like you get it. And those are the things that can, can actually help, uh, separate coaches of feeling like, I feel connected to this person, even though I don't know them through my content and not that tactical content isn't good. Tactical content is amazing. We need that. But tactical content in the past for me 
wasn't doing the job. It wasn't giving people definitive confidence about booking that call or about converting. But now, because I'm also, and also this stuff is opening me up. I have to be more authentic. I have to share parts of my story. I talk a lot about my money mindset, belief issues that I have. I talk about how I used to be afraid of being on camera and all of those different things on purpose because my my audience needs that in order to feel connected. And that's why sales calls can now flow seamless and almost easy because of the nature of that content. Mm. And when it comes to that, that, you know, that you work so much on the nature of that content. So they're so primed and ready at that sales call. Do you, do you handle all of those sales calls yourself or have you now taught a team or certain people on also joining? Cause that's, I mean, that's a, let's be honest, that that's a lot of time that you would have to spend on sales calls all day long. Yeah. So it only yeah. makes sense that you would then train people in how to talk to your ideal client as well. Is that how that works? Not yet. Interestingly enough. So I do still do all of my sales calls. It's actually funny on my to-do list today is to finish that job description. But um, <laughs> the reason why it's not overwhelming is because I don't take new clients all the time. Mm. I, I do open and close enrollment. Uh, so right now it's middle of the month. My calendar is closed, but there are no appointments available right now for any new clients. And that's on purpose. And then a nice part too, when you do play in a higher ticket price point, you don't need a huge volume to hit your goals. And that right. allows me to actually be more connected with my clients because I'm not serving 100 people right now. Like that's just not, you know, everybody, everyone's definition of a scalable, successful business looks a lot differently for me right now. I, I'm really enjoying the higher touch intimate groups, but obviously higher touch intimacy comes with a different level of a price tag, right? And right. so, yeah, to my point, I'm only doing enrollment for new clients two more times this year, and, and that'll be in until 2021. So um, in the meantime, you know, obviously there's digital tools, there's passive products that are meant to service, service people in the meantime, but it's actually important. So for people listening out, a tactical thing is really understanding like, you know, your customer journey and how long it takes people on average to buy from you and to get to know you. And by studying that and those analytics, it can actually help you be a little bit more smarter with your open and closed launch periods if that's your actual like, you know, way of doing business. I love it. Thank you for walking us through that. And, um, and just that journey of, of, of how you set it up to make sure that you're really speaking to the person that you're, that you know, that you're meant to serve. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about the very, the, the other ways to work with you? I know that you have a membership. Um, and then obviously what you were just talking about, that's currently closed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have, you, know, you just have a wealth of resources. So what are kind of the varying ways? And then for those listening, if you can kind of walk us through your their journey, if you will, of if they're just starting out to where they may be someone who's actually ready to work with you, where should they go? Absolutely. So that's a, what's really interesting about how I do business is um, the only things that you can buy from me publicly is my books and my membership. <laughs> so my books are on Amazon. Uh, I have books like one is called All in Favor of Branding and Project Manager. So those are available on Amazon. My membership is called Fearless Founders. And it, I call it the Netflix for business owners. Um, I've been in, in the coaching game for so long. I have about 400 hours of content 
which is crazy. That's like recorded content. And I wanted something to do with it. So I created a membership to house that. And now what we do is that we bring in guest experts every month, because what I've heard from my newer entrepreneurs is I don't know who to trust and who to hire. So I'm able to elevate my peers and bring in graphic designers and accountants and tax folks to come in and do guest trainings and to give people exposure to people who I know that they can trust and hire. So Fearless Founders, and that's on my website, powercollective.co. And then my courses are actually only sold passively through funnels. So they're not any like anywhere for open enrollment, which is actually a whole other conversation. But mm-hmm. um, I have a ton of free downloads at thepowercollective.co backslash resources. So you're able to pick what you need and go from there. But the core thing that I offer right now is a group coaching program called the Founder Circle, which is a registered trademark. And the goal of the Founder Circle, again, is is to really help those overlooked experts learn how to package their expertise into a high-ticket coaching program and then develop the magnetic messaging needed to sell it online. And so that's the program where we do open and close enrollment. And we're really going deeper into, I think, let me back up. A lot of programs that sound like that really talk to you about the sales piece of of selling coaching, you know, the sales page and the funnels and the sales calls, which we do teach. But my program actually really emphasizes coaching methodology. So we do spend a lot of time talking about how to actually build a program that generates results for the client, how to develop curriculum. Again, my background is corporate HR and training. So that's really important to me. So we're really getting to the root of what are you truly good at and how do we now teach it to somebody else so that they can duplicate the results that you have. And so that's what we really spend a lot of time on in that group program. I love that. And so it's like, you're, you're basically just taking them on the journey that you learned that you kind of had to go through yourself, which is, I, I, to me, I think that that that's really the true testament of a strong coach and a strong teacher and a strong leader. Absolutely. Um, Okay. And then your podcast. Oh yeah. So the Bombshell Diaries podcast, well, you know, Julie, what's interesting, that podcast was a hobby when it started. I just needed a place where I could, I could talk, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I decided to get really serious with it last year. And I was always surprised when people actually listen to the show, the downloads were really good. Like I'm not even consistent, but now we're really consistent with the show. So the podcast is very much an extension of my brand. And so one thing that I do on the podcast that I don't do anywhere else is I do a lot of case studies of different launches. So when I launched my my affirmation cards and different projects like that, I talked about those on the on the podcast, like the background backstory behind that. I've done a lot of podcasts, like, you know, a couple of days before I get ready to launch, talk about my launch process. And so I give a lot of behind the scenes content of how I think and how I approach decision-making in my business. Because I remember, again, being a, a newer entrepreneur and just not understanding what is the back end of a multi-six-figure business at actually look like? Like, what do you actually need to do on a day-to-day basis? And so that's one thing we've incorporated into the podcast that I feel is now a little bit different and unique that people can't find on my Facebook page or on, you know, my website. Mm, I love it. Okay. And then um, what does influence mean to you? Yeah. So I feel influence for me is responsibility, which is huge. I've been talking about this so much lately mm-hmm. on social media, but influence is all, it's about having a bigger responsibility. And when you have influence, people are looking to you. They are looking for insight, guidance, assistance. And so it's more than what you say. It's how you move and how you act. And when you have influence, you have a heightened level of responsibility where you need to lead. You don't get to take the easy way out. 
you don't get to hide. <laughs> you have to stand in your leadership um, and help people make the best decisions that are for them. So responsibility. And what is one way in which our entrepreneur industry, would you say today, could start doing that in a way that is productive, growth-focused, and effective? Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that we can do that I think some of us have started to do is that I really believe in more transparency, right? Like more behind the scenes, more of your true story, not just a story of once you hit that, you know, your first million or your first six figures, but what was life like for you in your first three months, your first six months? And I found that People really want that transparency. I think that, you know, the industry has grown so much bigger where a lot of coaches are like celebrities, right? They're like these untouchable people, which is cool. But like at the same time, I think people can get discouraged from seeing that. And like, I'm never going to reach that level of celebrity. I'm never going to reach that. And one thing I always tell my audience, especially my Facebook group, I said, listen, I don't want to sell you a dream. Let me show you the realness. Yes, this launch was 50K. Let me tell you how I didn't get any sleep because I was so stressed about it, right? Like, I'm very honest about that, where it's like, yes, there's success, but that doesn't mean that this isn't still hard for me. And that doesn't mean that this, there isn't still bad days or hard days or situations that you wouldn't believe or lawsuits, right? And so, you know, I found that those stories don't scare people. It makes them feel encouraged because they're like, hey, I'm not crazy for, for feeling this way, or I'm not on the wrong path because I'm feeling some discomfort, it actually makes them feel like they're able to do this. And and they're now even more engaged and ready to commit to your programs and your offers because you're still someone that they admire, but you're also now human. Mm, I love that. Thank you. And thank you so much for being on today and just sharing your wisdom, your journey, all of the tactical tips that you gave us and, you know, a ton of stuff around that money mindset piece, which I know is going to be so valuable uh, for so many listening. I know I took notes and even was (laughs) starting to get really curious uh, on things myself too. So thank you for that. And we'll make sure to add um, all of your information in the show notes. And just one last thing, if Because what we usually do on this podcast and for our listeners, they know the drill that if there was an aha moment for you today, if you listened to something, if you heard something that just made you kind of shift your thinking a little bit, we want to hear what that was. So screenshot your episode, hashtag the influencer podcast and tag both of us in that so Mm -hmm. we can share your stories and we can connect with you. So Kashaya, where can they find you on Instagram to do that? Absolutely. I'm actually at Kashaya everywhere. Just my first name. <laughs> so easy. Like what? Like how? I'm like how did? Like you're lucky. You're one of the lucky few who were able to like get that in. My and boyfriend is, was like, "Are you Oprah? Why is it just your name?" And I'm like, "Listen, you're like you just wait." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so smart. And that is K Y S H I R A. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Kashira. I so appreciate your time. Thank you, Julie. This was great.
All right, that is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram, head on over to our Facebook group at the Influencer Podcast, and let me know your thoughts about today's show. All right, I will see you again, same time, same place next week. Thank you.